The scripture reading today is from Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This is the Word of God. God. Well, we were going to end our Connect theme this Sunday, but as you know, John Thomas will be here next week, and he said that he would love to contribute to this theme as well. So he's actually going to be the one wrapping up the series next Sunday. And if you haven't heard John before, uh, who is from Living Hope in South Africa, you've got to come hear him. And he's just an amazing visionary prophet of God. I hope that you will come to hear that amazing man. Uh, He and Avril will both be here. Uh, Well, we've talked about uh, connecting in different places. We've talked about connect where you live, uh, connect where you go. Uh, connect where you, let's see, connect where you are, connect where you live, connect where you go, connect when you pray. Blake uh, offered that last week. This morning we talk about connect where you work. Connecting with the gospel began on a work day. Let's jump right into the outline. No need for an introduction. Connecting with the gospel began on a work day. It all began on a work day. Or should I say a work night? Uh, started with some blue collar roughnecks who were working the night shift. In a line of work that could be rather tedious and boring, but also strenuous. But on one such night, something happened, and their lives were changed. Somebody shared the good news with them, and they were invited to go and see about this good news and embrace it for themselves. They were what? Shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night. It happened at work. And Jesus connected during the workday. That's when he did a lot of the calling. Think about it. Peter and Andrew had worked a night shift and were unsuccessful at catching a batch of fish for themselves to make a little more money. And then they ran into Jesus. And later it was James and John who were fishing. And he said, put down the nets, I'll make you fishers of people. And they did just that, and it changed their lives. And then there was the well-to-do tax collector, Levi. Well-to-do, but rather disparaged, I'm sure, in his particular community. And he just left the table there and went and followed Jesus into a whole new vocation. Jesus came to all of them while they were at work, and he invited them onward to a new vocation. And then there was Saul of Tarsus, who was doing his job of taking extradition papers to Damascus in order to extradite Christians who were people of the way, as it says in the book of Acts, and bring them back to Jerusalem to be brought to trial and hopefully at least put into prison, if not put to death. He was doing at least what he thought was his job. But then something happened, as you know, on that Damascus road, and he went into a second career, and he began telling the news about this man whose followers he had been busy arresting. It happened at work. It happened on the job. Then this same Paul adopted a new trade in order to reach people in the workforce 
And as he stitched tents together, cutting and stitching and cutting and stitching, he would share the gospel with people as he did his job. And he talked about the man who not only changed his career, but his very life. And then there's you and me. How often does the gospel happen on the job for you or at school? I know we got a lot of students here. Your job right now is to learn, so I'm talking about work and school. How often does it happen at school, at job? And more pointedly, how often do you help it to happen? You know, Colossians 4 was written in the context of Paul talking about working relationships. So let's see what he has to say about connecting at work. First of all, talking about Paul's way of connecting at work, he, really, he talks about seeking out and speaking out and standing out. First of all, let's talk about what he admonishes them to do in Acts chapter 4, verse 2. Seek out. Seek out. Look at chapter 4, verse 2 here. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. It says be alert in your prayer. It means literally be wakeful in your prayer or to be down with the kids. It's saying stay woke, dude. I'm so down with it. Wake that guy up right there. Look at him. Look at him. <laughs> uh, nothing, nothing. Okay. Yeah, be wakeful. In fact, literally what it says in the Greek is don't pray like you're asleep. Don't pray like you're asleep. Now, you might think that sounds a little strange. You know, was he thinking, by the way, of the, of the disciples at the Transfiguration when they fell asleep? Was Paul, in a sense, intoning uh, the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus was agonizing, praying these agonized prayers, and they were over there asleep? We, we don't know. But he's saying, pray in a way that you're not asleep. And, and think about that. Do you ever play, pray like you're asleep? You know, you, we, we word it in a dull, ritualized way, in a way that it's just routine. And it's just flat, even when we pray for others. Sometimes we pray like we're asleep, don't we? And Paul says, pray for others and be awake in that prayer, seeking out ways to reach them, to serve them, to help them, to let them know about the love of Jesus. That's what he's saying here. Be alert in your praying. You know, during our 40 days, let me ask you one more time. Who comes to the surface of your mind and of your heart? Who is that person whom God is whispering to you? You could be reaching that person right now. Take that extra step and do just that. Do you pray for people at work and while you're working? Or are you sleeping on the job, so to speak, at least when it comes to prayer? Pray for those and about those with whom you connect. And Paul goes on to say, Pray with a thankful heart. Now, he said that before elsewhere, Philippians 4, 6. He says, pray with thanksgiving. And and you can testify to your faith just by exuding gratitude and living a life that shows thankfulness. How often do you show thankfulness in your work? Even when you're doing the most mundane, tedious of things, in the most routine of days. Just this past week... uh, Deanna and I enjoyed getting to see a, a, a wonderful friend of ours named Maher Sherbini. Does anybody know Sherbini? He's, he works on exteriors of houses and paints and stuff. Great guy. Uh, Maher is just an amazing guy. He's from uh, Egypt. He's a devout Muslim. And, and so we have wonderful talks. And he just loves to spend a lot of time with us. And Deanna and I get into all kinds of conversations with him about religion and politics 
and all manner of things, a lot of things going on in Egypt that he'll talk about. And, and it, he's just a wonderful guy. He's so thorough in his work. I'm not trying to pitch him, but he's great at what he does. And he always wants to show you every little bit of what he did to show you that he was thorough about it. And we will walk around, and, he, and, he's a man, and I would say, oh, my hair, that looks so great up there. I loved how you, how you uh, fixed the eaves and repaired it. That's just going to be permanent right there. And he'll just, he'll just exult. He'll go, glory be to God. <laughs> just does that. Glory be to God. Uh, I remember, oh, thank you, uh, my hair, the, the concrete steps in the back look so much better. Thank you so much. Oh, no, no, no. Thanks be to God. I mean, he gives me that all the time. He calls me Mr. Jim. Mr. Jim, isn't God good? You know, we start talking about that. Well, what do you mean about God? And, and so we'll get into those discussions. But I tell you what put me under conviction, to use that old term phrase, last week was, you know, he has set a high standard for me. Set a high bar. I, th- I thought to myself, am I that thankful as I do my work? You know, I- I- am I even more thankful? Maybe I should be, because here is one who's so thankful for the God he knows, and he's just contagious when you get to know him. He's just an amazing guy. And I wonder, <laughs> am I that thankful? Do I exude that thankfulness in a way that distinguishes me in a way that shows that I have something that is deepest, deepest of all reasons to give thanks? And do I do that even in the most mundane of days? Thinking of students, just this past week in my formation for Christian ministry class, I have a guy in there named Carter. And Carter started talking about how he doesn't always feel adequate as he shares his faith, whether at school, on campus, or at his part-time job. But it was so cool to hear him talk, and he said, uh, you know, it just means so much to me, because when I do kind of share my faith and I kind of stumble through it, he said, It's so great because even as I'm stumbling through it, I rediscover my identity. And because of that, I rediscover my joy. He said, then I realized it's just a joyful, thankful experience to share my faith in what Jesus did for me. So I don't have to worry about the results. And we've talked about that. As long as we're glorifying God, don't worry about the results. God will take care of that. And I just thought that was great. And then, did I see Anna Harris? Yeah, Anna, we were interviewing a student Friday, right? Uh, Chrislyn Jones, and she <laughs> she's interviewing for the pre-men scholars program that Anna and I oversee, and she, did she not just blow it out the door? She was incredible. Incoming freshmen, we always have these standardized questions that we want to ask them, and one of them was, what do you see as an ideal religion student at Sanford University? Okay? And we just kind of, you know, we'll, we'll spout out these different standardized questions. Again, we asked her, what do you see as an ideal religion student at Sanford I wrote down what she said because immediately, and she didn't know what we were going to ask her, immediately she said, an ideal religion student at Sanford, she said, that is one who sees learning itself as worship. All learning should inform how you care about God, about his creation, about people, and about the work you do for the people. Uh, I think she's in, don't you? I mean, I think she's got it. Got it wrapped up. Uh, She was amazing. And she's exactly right. You know, seeing learning, which is your all's job, you guys, as students, that's your work. Seeing your work as worship. And that's really what Paul is getting at just a few verses earlier. Look at Colossians 3, 23 and 24. He says, work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for whom? For the Lord, rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. It's Christ himself. Work is an act of worship of God, no matter what it is. So do it with all your heart, and do it knowing that ultimately Jesus is your boss. That's what he's saying. And Jesus is watching. Jesus knows how you're doing and in what attitude you're doing it. 
And because of that, you'll receive an inheritance. Now, now hear me, it's not talking about if you work hard enough, you'll receive the inheritance. No, it's the inheritance that you've already received through the grace that Jesus has brought to you. But again, you have reason to give thanks and you will receive that reward. In fact, that grace should be the reason that you have such gratitude and thankfulness as you do work. That's the reason to give thanks and enjoy, even at work. Some of you grew up learning the Westminster Confession. How does that begin? The chief end of man is what? To glorify God and to what? Enjoy him forever. Enjoy him forever. Even at work. That's what it's talking about there. Now, Paul notes a second way to connect at work. Seek out, but also speak out. Now, some of you I know have here have read the book by Tim Keller called Every Good Endeavor. It's really a, a, a theology of work. A theology of labor, and and he asked for the Center of Faith and Work to do a survey, and this was rather mind-boggling to me. This was a survey of Christ followers, and they took this survey, they found out that only 6% had shared their faith at work. 6%. Folks, we need to counter that trend. Please, let's counter that trend. And only 55% had prayed about their work, which includes praying for people at their work. Folks, that's painfully, tragically, desperately low. And and compare compare that to Paul, who's talking about, oh, pray for us, pray for what? Let's go to verse 3 in in Colossians 4. Look at what Paul, he appeals to the Colossians and says this, pray for us too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. chains. Where is Paul? Where is Paul? To prison, pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. You know, he could say, you know, you think you're having a bad day. You may not like your job. Guess where, guess where my job assignment is right now? It's in a prison cell. His job was in a prison. Now, let me just ask you, if you were in prison, imagine yourself in prison for whatever reason, for an unjust reason like Paul. What would you be asking your home church to pray for? Uh, how about release? You know, get me out of here. Pray that this doesn't go to trial. Pray that I have a good lawyer. You know, pray that I won't be sentenced in a way that's just going to, going to be so tragic. No, <laughs> what does he pray? Pray that I have the opportunity even here to share the gospel as clearly as I can. And he talks about that in Philippians 1. Hey, what's happened to me in prison is further the gospel. And he's just, he's overjoyed by it. Again, he's thankful. He's praying with thankfulness. What if you began to pray for people and for opportunities to make the love of God known to them at work? At work. And you can do it in ways that I cannot. Uh, uh, Jody Martin is our uh, new uh, deacon chair. He's in Kenya, right? Nancy, he's in Kenya, right? Did y'all know he's in Kenya now? The guy's nuts. Uh, Blake and, and the Hudgens just got back from Kenya, and the, I was emailing him thinking, oh, I'll see him Sunday. He said, uh, no, I'm in Paris. Oh, great, vacation. No, I'm heading to Kenya. Okay, great. Um, let's pray for Jody. I wish he was more servant-minded. Let's just pray for him. Uh, but the first conversation he and I had after he uh, was asked to be deacon chair and he accepted, it was just great. It was kind of a chance for us to kind of get geared up for the year. And one of the things he said, he said, I want you to know something. I want you to hear this. He said, you know what? The rest of us in the church, we're in a position to reach people a lot more effectively than you. And he was pointing at me. And he's right. 
Because he went on and said, you know, we bump into the folks that need it a lot more often than you do. And he's right. I mean, I spend a lot of my time tending to the flock of believers and equipping the believers, as it says in Ephesians 4. And, and, you know, I spend my time teaching at a Christian university that's saturated with Christians over there. Many of you are the ones who are out there on the workforce where, yes, it is more challenging sometimes to share your faith. And show what a grateful heart you have because of the grace that Jesus has shown you. And yet, that is your calling. And that is your mission field. He's exactly right. And it doesn't have to be dramatic at all. You don't have to be holding a Bible or having a little tract, you know, with four spiritual laws. And you don't have to say it in some dramatic tone about the love of Jesus and stuff. You don't have to do that at all. It can be very matter-of-fact. Tim Johnson is a wonderful writer from Maryland. And uh, last summer... He was at Baltimore, Washington International Airport, and he went through security screening. I think we have a picture. We've all been there, right? Lots of fun. And he went through that, and uh, he was going through the security screening, and and the screener asked him to step aside so he could inspect Tim's bag, carry-on bag. And so he was sitting there poking around in the bag and turning up flaps and pulling things out and looking at them and, you know, putting them back in. And Tim was getting a little annoyed because he thought, I'm going to miss my flight and all this. But then he noticed that the guy on his right hand had a cool-looking ring. It, had a, it was a silver ring with a cross on it. And he just thought it looked, looked really neat. And so just quickly he said, hey, cool ring. And he didn't even think he'd get a response from this guy. And the guy just looked up at him for a second and then kept sifting through. He said, oh, yeah, my ring, yeah. Uh, that's a cross on there. That's because I'm a follower of Jesus. You know, one thing we worry about here, and he's doing this the whole time. One thing we worry about here, uh, right here where I work, is dynamite. You know, and but you know the word dynamite is dunamis. It comes from a Greek word in the New Testament, and it means power. And so whenever I get a little nervous about things like that, I just realize that you know, really, all the power is in God's hands, and that's why He sent Jesus to show His mighty power to actually give us eternal life. So it's pretty amazing. So I know that while I'm doing my job, I know that Jesus is doing His job, and I just trust that it all belongs to Him, and I'm going to be okay. All right, uh, Mr. Johnson, thank you very much. Next. And he, Tim Johnson, he said, I was just amazed. He said, you know, it wasn't a place where we could have an extended conversation. There's this long line of people and plenty of chaos going on that I know you've seen before. But in less than 30 seconds, this guy spoke calmly and confidently and matter-of-factly, without hesitation. He did it matter-of-factly, by the way. I love that phrase about sharing the gospel, matter-of-factly. You know, do you believe the gospel is factly? Is it factly in your life? Well, I hope so. Well, share it like it really matters to you and as a matter of fact. Okay, we've talked about what uh, seek out and speak out. Finally, stand out. Let's look at Colossians 4, 5, and 6. This is how he closes out this thought. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity at work, at school. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive. And I loved uh, Mr. Pugh's uh, translation, which, which uh, says uh, gracious and seasoned with salt. Literally, it says, let your conversation be gracious and seasoned with salt so that you will have the right response for everyone. I love that seasoned with salt. It's saying speak in a way where people will recognize that you are a Christian and do it in a way that's gracious and, yes, attractive. It doesn't have to be blatant. It doesn't have to be preachy. <laughs> you know, it... it I hear people, oh, but I don't have a great testimony or or everything. I have, well, what I heard one person say recently, an unremarkable testimony. Man, you missed it last Sunday night if you didn't make it to the ordination service, the ordination of these uh, four new deacons. And we had Tasha Davis and Lynn Lloyd and uh, Allison uh, Hyde 
and uh, Blake Young. And they were just great. And, and if you, a lot of you know Tasha's story. A lot of you know Lynn's story. And they're kind of dramatic and poignant and amazing. Just really cool testimonies. Uh, cancer survivor, another person from, uh, from the hinterlands of Canada and comes down here, marries a southerner, and it, and it still works out, and they're just amazing. And uh, it's just an amazing testimony she had. And then Allison got up, and she was just so well-spoken, talking about wanting to serve in simple ways. Blake Young gets up here. Blake, are you here this morning? Can I pick on you? Okay. Okay. Sorry about this, Blake, but no, you can't do anything because uh, I'm up here. Uh, Blake gets up, and it was so great because he started out saying, and I'm going to use this again because preachers know good material when they steal it. And uh, he said, you know, I really have, you know, we've heard these cool testimonies from Lynn and Tasha and Allison, and I have a very unremarkable testimony. I think that, isn't that how you put it? An unremarkable testimony. And he started talking about it, and he shared about his faith and the, and the very basics about it. But then he said, I came to realize that it's such a blessing to have an unremarkable testimony. And he said, my goal is that my kids will have an unremarkable testimony. Isn't that good? And, and he said, that should be our goal, really even for ourselves and for those people we reach, that, they, that their testimonies will be as unremarkable as possible, that they will be you know, not any more remarkable than they are right now. You with me? thought that was just great because, again, you might think, oh, I have a very mundane, you know, common kind of testimony. That's great. Use it. Use it. And it will make an incredible, incredible difference. People can see in your unremarkable testimony that, hey, this might be a better way to live. And, folks, there really is a life-saving dynamic to this, and we've got to think about that in terms of eternity. We've got to realize that. I read an article a while back called Interview Fails. Interview Fails. And basically it was actual dumb things that people said at job interviews. And this is true. There was a young man interviewing for a job as an usher at a theater in a mall. And one of the first questions the manager asked was, what would you do in case a fire breaks out? And the guy was like, oh, oh, don't worry about me. I'll get out okay. (laughs) Didn't go over well. He didn't get it. Uh, but that's how we respond sometimes. Listen to me. You know, what would you do if you knew that Jesus was coming back tomorrow? Would you just say, oh, don't worry about me. I'll be okay. I would hope you would want to go and connect with some people who you knew needed to know about the grace of Jesus. Because think about it. Really, we're ushers ourselves. This guy was interviewing to be an usher at a theater in a mall. We're called to be ushers ourselves. We're helping others to get out. While the fire is going, at work, at school. Think of yourself in that way. Think of yourself as an usher. Close with with a true story of a guy named Al Bracca. He was an usher to the very end. He was a corporate bond trader. He started his new job on the 105th floor of Tower 1 of the World Trade Center on September 4th, 2001. September 4th. One week later, as you know, the tower was hit. And collapsed. And Al's body was eventually found in the rubble. It was identified. But according to his wife, uh, Jeannie, Al hated his job. He didn't like the work environment. It was so completely out of sync with his Christian beliefs, his Christian values. But he wouldn't quit because God had whispered to him, stay there. And he was convinced that God wanted him to stay there to be a light in the darkness and to offer speech that was, if you will, seasoned with salt. And later on, the Brockas learned a beautiful thing when they were way up there toward 
the very top of the building as it was burning and as it was soon to collapse was that Al was reaching out to people. He was connecting with people right then and there. He was ministering to people during the attack and reports trickled in from friends and acquaintances, people who were on the 105th floor. Some of them made last phone calls to people before they died. Some of them sent texts. Some of them sent emails just before they died to loved ones. And many of them were saying, there's a man up here who's leading us in prayer and sharing the gospel. Think about that. Many referred to him by name. It's Al, his name is Al Bracca. He's, he's here with us right now, and he's leading us in prayer and telling us that there's still hope. Think about that. And when Al realized they were trapped, that he, he went right into action. And apparently he shared the gospel and prayed with about 50 co-workers just before the collapse. Al was being an usher. He was being an usher leading co-workers to eternity at the very end. Let's pray together. May that stick in our minds, O oh God, that we are in a world that is collapsing all around us. We are in a world that in a sense is on fire and in the midst of chaos. And we are here to usher people toward the way that leads to peace and wholeness and no more grief or pain or disease or war or uncertainty or conflict. We joyfully anticipate that time where there will be no more tears, no more hurt, no more sorrow. But for now, help us to connect with people whom we see every day, even taking advantage of the awkward moments that we've talked about. Make us a more awkward people, O oh God, trusting with the joy that in doing so, we do find our identity, we do find our joy. And we need not worry about the, re the results. We're glorifying you by going out there and being your broken people who have found the living bread that Brent makes us whole. We thank you for that. We pray that we would claim this for ourselves and that uh, we would just embody this in all that we do. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Uh, I'm going to be standing here at the front as we sing our final song. If you feel led to make a first-time profession of faith in Jesus, we would love for you to come forward. If you feel led to move your church membership to this place, we would love that too. If you feel led to be baptized, uh, we would love that too. So I'll be standing at the front if you feel led to do any of those things. Let's stand together and sing.
remember, even if you have not bought a ticket, make your way down. I can smell the chicken uh, wafting through uh, the vents even now. All you do is go out these doors, if you're not familiar with it, go out these doors, take the first door on the left, go down the steps, and you'll see where lunch awaits for you. Students, if your students are a guest, it's free, okay? Anna, you and your friend, okay, I'm sorry, I won't do that ever again, uh, but we'd love to have you sit with us if you can. Okay, very good. Uh, Hope that you'll make it a point to get down there and connect with some people that you don't know very well or haven't even met ever again. Uh, we'd love that. Don't forget about John Thomas here next week. Always an incredible blessing uh, to hear from him. So hope you will join us for that. Let's bow for the benediction. Depart now in the fellowship of God the Father, and as you go, remember that by the goodness of God you were born into this world, and by the grace of God you have been kept all the day long, even until this very hour. And by the love of God, fully revealed in the face of Jesus, you have been redeemed and you are being redeemed. And so go, share the good news at work, at school, that others might know of him. Amen.